So this morning we're going to explore in both um, our Romans passage and the Matthew passage that Michael uh, read for us, what is forming me? So Independence Day is this week. Happy birthday to our country, 247 years. Yeah, okay. yeah right? We celebrate freedom, free to live without government oppression, to be able to worship freely, like not everybody around the world is able to do, uh, to pursue happiness, success in whatever ways we define them. Amen. Jesus brings freedom, a different kind of freedom. Freedom from being defined by their own closings, their expectations and labels on us for our purposes. Um, free from being stuck in offense and living offended. Wait, don't we have a right to be offended? <laughs> of course we do. Our society and culture ground multiplying ratings and views and viewers on likes and likes on being offended. Think about it. What someone said, what someone did, how someone has been wronged. How often do we hear that? It energizes conversations. It moves people. They're moved to action by offense. What about us? about Jesus. Yeah. You know, Jesus came not to serve, not to be not to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. To give his life as a ransom for many, tearing down walls and building bridges. Mm -hmm. Not our leaders don't lord power over others, bulldozing, bullying, stonewalling, winners and losers. No, Jesus came to do something different, to show us something different, moved by compassion, has said as the, as the, Bible, the word the Bible uses, which isn't just a feeling of compassion, but it's actually moved. It's a movement. There's an action associated with it. Um, moved not by offense. Proverbs says an offended brother or sister is more unyielding than a fortified city. Mm -hmm. How are we to love and receive others and show compassion if we are unyielding? How do we share their peace? So Jesus brings that freedom that, freedom that feel, fills our souls with peace and joy amid every circumstance, no matter what is happening around us, he brings life. Do you believe it? Amen. Have you experienced it? Yeah. Is it easy? No way. <laughs> no way. Would trials come anyway? You bet they would. That's, life is like that. Um, but he gives us a new way to live, a new way to experience uh, our relationships, our life in this world. So let's dive into our passages today. So we've been walking this summer, most of this month, through um, books within Romans, uh, as well as Matthew, kind of side by, side by side. And what he's been talking about, and what we've been exploring, is being saved by grace, his grace, through faith. That it is a gift, these are gifts from him, that it is, not, uh, it is not in our power. We don't earn our salvation, we don't earn the grace that he gives, it's a gift. He gives us grace, he gives us faith. Uh, so we walked with that, and last week we talked a little bit wrestling about uh, loving submission out of our identity to Him. That relationship between our identity as one of, as His child and our obedience to His word and to His way, and how we do that through loving submission to Him. So let's look at our passage in Romans, and keeping in mind, so Romans, Paul wrote Romans actually before he had been there to preach. So he wrote this letter to introduce himself, to prepare the way, and to clearly and methodically, all through the book of Romans, lay out the gospel and unpack it and what it means so that his, re his readers would know, even though he was known as a Pharisee, a scholar, 
um, a traveler, a citizen of Rome. At first, he was a citizen of the kingdom uh, that Jesus brings and a brother in Christ. So let's read. So Romans 6, 12 uh, to 23. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirement of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. And you may recognize this next verse from the first verse in this chapter that we discussed last week. And Paul goes on to say, he says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? So this is big. He's trying to help people of Rome and us today, too, to see that while we think we're free, we may actually be living in bondage. Other things may be controlling our thoughts and our actions or influencing the way we see, hear, think, and react. So how are we formed by the ways of the world? By the opinions, actions, and judgments of people around you? By a disapproval or threatening disapproval? By negative experiences of our past that we want to avoid at all costs, ever repeating? So continuing, Paul goes on, you can, be a you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. This is a spirit, grace-empowered response. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led to even deeper sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living, so that you will become holy. We'll talk a lot more about this when we say about it, too. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You were ashamed of the things that you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So sin brought shame. Then as we become, as he helps us to be free from the power of sin in our life, he brings righteousness. Not where he uses the term as being a slave to God, not as a victim, but as a victor in Amen. his victory. Yes. So notice in the, at the end of this verse where he says, now you do. Like, he didn't say, now do these things. It's like, now you do these things. Because he has freed you, you can now do these things. And that relates a little bit to what we talked about a lot, what we talked about last week things that lead to obedience, things that lead to holiness, to transformation, to Christ's likeness. I want to pull in a Matthew passage that Michael read, because these few verses that we read are part of Jesus' instructions to his disciples. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we opened up the beginning of chapter 10 as Jesus had been talking to his disciples about being moved by compassion uh, when he saw the crowds harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and then he sent, has them pray for the harvest, um, for laborers to come into the harvest, and then he sends them out 
and he gives them this series of instructions. So this is the very end of that verse where, we, where he, um, he is assuring them uh, of a few things. So he says, anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives the Father, I'm sorry, anyone who receives me receives the Father who has sent me. This is huge, and it's instructive for all of us, and it echoes uh, in another point where he talks about uh, in Matthew 25, whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's assuring them in a couple ways. He's assuring them, as you go, you are going, you're bringing me with you. And bringing me, you're bringing the Father. And someone who, if someone chooses to receive you, they're receiving you, they're yeah. receiving me, and they're receiving the Father. Mm -hmm. So there's this, this du dual piece. And then he goes on, if you receive a prophet, as one who speaks, for, who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And notice here he makes a shift. He's initially saying, anyone who receives you receives me. And then he goes on to say, if you receive. So he's, he's also instructing them and instructing us in how we live and interact and receive others around us. Um, thinking of the prophet might bring to mind the story of Elijah and the widow during the famine. Where yes. She was almost out. Uh, they were ready to, to make their last, last little pat of bread that she was going to be able to make. And, how she responded and received in the way God blessed, um, blessed them through that time. Mm -hmm. Goes on then to say, if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And finally, if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And in this time, it wouldn't have been uncommon to share a cup of cold water with somebody. But the point that he's making is the the disciples are going out as the least. Of the, they're not recognized as world powers going on, as kings, as, as, as people within their society that would have been recognized as powerful. Mm -hmm. um, they're going, and Jesus again is, um, or Jesus is talking about um, within each of these, really how we receive one another is really looking at hospitality. Yeah. And how Jesus, how, how Jesus receives us, how we receive others. Um, there's a lot of focus on, on rewards here, but it's really about the process of, uh, of hospitality and how we receive one another as we're, in, as we're engaged around them. So he's once assuring them um, that they would be received um, and that he is received in them. So I want to connect these two. So what does, what does hospitality have to do with right and holy living and being transformed into the new life that God has for us, Christ-likeness. So God would give me an opportunity to not do this very well uh, one day this week. So on Thursday, uh, I was running into our house a little bit late. I'd gotten stuck in traffic, and we had a uh, we had an event that we were going to, a little gathering of friends that we hadn't seen in most of a year. And, uh, and we're going to take something. I was like, oh, I haven't really planned what to do. So I did the quick scour of the kitchen. And like, OK, we've got potatoes. I'll throw them in the oven, and we'll bring roasted potatoes. Um, but as I was starting that process, then Michael reminded me that someone had signed up to bring potato salads. Like, OK, we want to do that. We'll stop and get some fruit on the way, some fruit and veggies. So we're like, OK, we have time. We have five minutes, boom, boom, in and out of the store. And if you know me or have followed me into the grocery store, I'm never fast. And I always see stuff that I know that we need or should need or somebody might want at some point in time. So I promise, I'm like, I'll be super speedy. I'll walk in. So I walked in, I went straight to the case, I found the bowl of fruit, I found some veggies, and I 
straight to the checkout. I really didn't stop anywhere. I was very proud of myself. And rounded the corner, and the line for the self-check was almost all the way across the store. Like I've never seen it like that, like not even on the holidays. And they typically only have one lane open, but they had two lanes open. And I'm like, so I did a quick assessment. I'm like, this is gonna take a while. But so I'm like, okay, this line was the shortest. It wasn't self-check, because the self-check was way, 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 way down, and the lines were all crossing. But I found the one most of people just had little baskets with a few things in. So I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait. And the clock's ticking, and I'm starting to feel the pressure. It's like, we're gonna be late, we're gonna be late. Um, and then Michael's thinking that I'm shopping all over the store. Um, and then I noticed the woman in front of me is someone who I had met before. We had met serving at school, and so I reintroduced myself. And uh, we're talking, she says, this is ridiculous. And she starts the rant, and you know, they should fire all the cashiers and open up all the, like, just, it was like this really hard. And so I was, I was like, yeah, it's a lot. And I'm like, ooh, like Terry, I was like, I find that a whole lot harder. I'm not very good at scanning. And, um, but she, as she continued with her business proposition, I kind of was trying to de-escalate, but I was escalating myself. Mm -hmm. um, so, so all this is happening. So as we're getting closer to the line, the I overhear the the checkout person. So I, initially, I started thinking about I see the older woman who's working with this one cash register and this teenage um, boy who's working who's working this other, and I overhear him saying that this is his first day on the register. So I mentioned to the woman in front of me, thinking that that might elicit some compassion, which it didn't, but I also realized in that moment, like I was losing my compassion. <laughs> I was like ready to be out there. And so um, as we got close, um, you know, I just felt that draining away, and then I noticed this unusual piercing, um, which just elicited whatever other thoughts. And this young man was smiling, He's chatting away with everybody who was coming through. He was not one bit disturbed by the stress of the moment. And I was polite as I went through, and I, you know, spoke, but like I was like, just you kind of yeah. He's commenting on the groceries, <laughs> and then, you know, would, would he eat the cauliflower? That you know, like there was all kinds of, all, and I just was. So I was polite, but I wasn't kind, and if I'm honest, um, not from my heart. Anyway, I wasn't unkind. Mm. Um, but then I got into the car, and then I just continued the rant. Um, and of course, we were like, you know, been there for a long time. We're 15 months late to the, to the party and whatever. Um, but as I reflected on that, I, it really, I was really bothered by just how I responded. It just, just that whole thing, like, why was I so bothered? And what I re realized was I was wanting, I don't know why, but in that moment, I was wanting him to feel the stress that we were feeling, like work harder, work fa you know faster. Yeah, yeah. He, he, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't going slow, um, and I'm usually pretty patient. But I'm like, there's been a lot going on, a lot pressing on. There's a lot of transition, and our days look very different. And my mom has been sick, and I mentioned last week my sister had surgery, and thankfully she is well and home and um, amazing. It, but there's just there's been a lot, and the day was going, and I was crispy. And I allowed the situation, I allowed the crunch to, I allowed this, everything around me to influence how I treat it. I didn't show hospitality to him. So we think about hospitality in our homes. We welcome people into our homes. And we can do that, and that's a place where we're comfortable and where we have control and all of those things. But when we're out in the world, how do we receive? Okay. What's our, what's our yeah. Exactly. 
So, uh, so I really spent some time reflecting on this, and I'm like, you know, I was frustrated. And in my frustration, I judged, and I put up a wall. And honestly, I withheld peace from someone who bears his image. Not to beat myself up, but to learn from it. And he would show me. Like I asked, I'm like, what was going on? <laughs> and, um, and, he, and he showed me. Like he helped me realize why I, what, was, what was triggering that and what I did, what I might otherwise have done. So while my thoughts were kept inside, nobody would have known this going on around, but inside my posture was not a kind and humble posture like Jesus. So if we ask him, search me, God, and know my heart, Psalm 139, try me or test me and know my thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, some versions say, know my anxious thoughts. Point out, show any, if there's anything offensive in me and lead me to the way everlasting. You know, I hope someone was kinder <laughs> or more generous to that young man than I was that day. Um, and I can't beat myself up for that, but I can live forward differently. And I know that through this, God will help me to think to be more aware uh, and to be more like Jesus in that situation. Not begrudgingly, well, I guess I'll be nice even though I'm frustrated, um, but to really lean on him in that moment. So we talk about between last week and this week being saved by grace through faith and this constant changing that's going on in our lives, this sanctification process where he is forming us and transforming us mm. to be more and more Christ-like. And there's a... Um, a New Testament theologian from Oxford, England, his name is N.T. Wright, and I love how he speaks of God's call to be and to live differently. I love how he puts it. He says, God calls us to be genuine, image-bearing humans and to be conformed to the pattern of Jesus himself, to be genuine humans wherever he has us, to be God's dwelling place, the dwelling place of his Holy Spirit wow. in our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, even the grocery store, mm. banks, playgrounds, parks, our church, wherever we are. So how do we do it? How do we conform ourselves to his image and his Christ-likeness? Well, that's kind of a trick question because we don't do that ourselves. It's not, it's not a DIY kind of a thing to do mm -hmm. it yourself. It is a that's work that he does. The, the gift of grace is for justification, just as if we are without sin, but also the gift of sanctification. And they're two separate concepts, but they're intertwined, and they, they start together. The justification is a, is a one time, but the process of sanctification happens over time and over a lifetime as he forms us into Christ's likeness. There was a study that I was part of, a Bible study, through the winter and spring, and it was... Um, discovering our spiritual identity, and uh, there's a chapter in here on becoming holy. It's called Becoming Holy, Becoming Ourselves. I want to read a couple things from it. Um, Jesus is the face, is the human face of holiness. Throughout his earth, earthly life, life, Jesus is his own person. He's the same person inside and outside his real and true self. By his example, he sets us free from any carbon copy holiness that we would seek to create on ourselves mm -hmm. um, and allows us to be, that, that, would, that would diminish somehow our individuality. So to be holy in a Christ-like way is in fact to become more truly ourselves as God intended for us wow. to be, as he intends for us to be. He goes on to say that gospel holiness touches others with compassion and care. 
in our interactions with them. And to become holy, the Christ-like way, is to become increasingly less self-centered and more concerned about the needs around us. That's beautiful, because it's Jesus' upside-down way of living, but it's countercultural, it's counterintuitive. Um, so how do we share in, in his holiness, and how does that happen? So the sanctification is a gift, it's a gift of grace, but it's, and we don't do it ourselves, but we do it with him. So there's like, there are two pieces of it. He does it, but we take part in it. Like, we don't just sit back and say, okay, God, make me holy and let me know when I'm ready to go out yeah. and be a good person and be a good human to the people around me. No, like, he's, we engage with him in it. We join him in what he wants to do. He, it's his heart's desire for every single one of us. Um, but there is an intentionality that comes with it, the time, spending time with him uh, in order to allow him to do that. So time with him, time in his word, uh, time in prayer and reflection. And thinking through these moments that we have, I'm like, okay, wow, what was at work in me on Thursday night? Because it didn't feel very nice, um, even though on the outside it might have been mm -hmm. nice. Um, <laughs> a friend one day said, I killed her with kindness. It's like, oh, you know, it's, but it was, it was that kind of, um, it's like, that's not how I want to be. Like, I recognize that that is not, that is, that is not the way. So what do we do with all of this? And how can we, um, how can we live? So first, I encourage you, ask God, what is forming you? Something is always forming us. We are mm -hmm. always being formed and influenced by something, whether it's spiritual formation through Jesus, or formation in other different ways. We're influenced by our society, we're influenced by our relationships, we're influenced by others' demands, by social media, by like, you, name, you name it, like all of the different people's approval, um, by fear, by being right, being offended, overly submissive to other people. Um, we bound up by something, ask him. Ask him to show you what is forming you. Are we bound to some practice or habit that you might not even consciously realize. He'll show you if you ask. Spend that time with him. Just realize that we're always being formed by something, those life experiences. And remember that transformation is a lifetime process. And for as many times as we respond to him and like him, there are going to be those moments where something's going to catch us off guard or we're going to do something different. But he's always there, and his grace brings us brings mm -hmm. us right back in. And the second is this: ask him to transform you, Amen. to transform your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your responses, heart, our heart. Uh, so, and how we do that? We spend time in his word and prayer, just asking him, remembering it's not a do it ourselves. Uh, we don't do it at our pace; we do it at his pace. But we take part with him. John Mark Comer is a pastor, a teacher, uh, author of numerous books, and um, shared recently in a lecture on spiritual formation that I participated in. He talked about his journey, and he was a you know, young pastor in his 20s and had his own church and you know, was just growing, growing, growing once he came to know Jesus. And he said he hit this point where he just kind of hit a plateau. And um, so I think of it like, I don't know whether it's hitting the wall or maybe hit a ceiling where he just... And he said things started just to get heavier and heavier as he tried to be the holy person that he wanted to be, that he felt like he needed to be, and really got stuck for a while. 
um, that some, and what he would come to realize and God would show him is that somewhere along the way he picked up the controls and he started taking control mm -hmm. of that and doing the things that he had always done that he expected should make him a good follower of Jesus. Um, but what, he, what Jesus would show him, it's like, let me show you. Take my yoke. This is from Matthew 11, and we get to spend some time on this beautiful passage next week as, as Jesus shares his heart. But that Jesus would show him, it's like, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to live. I will do it. It's a promise uh, in Matthew 11, and it began a new uh, part of his spiritual journey where he is much more connected with Jesus and learning to disciple to him and follow him by spending time with him, seeing what he does and learning to do it himself. So ask him to transform your thoughts and your actions. Participate with him, but don't run ahead. Jesus won't be hurry. And it's our human tendency, I think, to do that. And then third, just allow his transformative work to influence and shape your interactions with other people. Show hospitality, whether it's bringing people into your home uh, or engaging with others as you go out. Think about how you are engaging with people. Are we bringing the light of Jesus, his peace, mm -hmm. his light into the situations that we find ourselves in? Um, God gave me another opportunity. This um, just brought, brought this to mind. This happened five years ago, but it's significant. And I didn't recognize it at the time as hospitality, but I see that now and I want to share it with you. So five years ago, we were still living in Charlotte, pre-pandemic, um, and I had shared uh, in the message at church, we were talking about sharing Jesus with others and noticing those opportunities around us that Jesus gives us to engage with others. And my mom was in the hospital, was in acute health crisis, and so my habit, every time go to the would go to the hospital every day. So I had I had gone after church and then spent some time with her and as I was leaving, I was like, I had my phone, I'm scrolling, um, you know, checking my email, okay, what's next, what's next, what's next? And as I'm starting to walk down the ramp toward, um, toward where I had parked, I looked up to see someone, I hadn't seen them there because I was walking, looking at my phone, uh, walking the other direction, and I greeted him, I said, you know, hi, how are you? And as he got closer, um, I noticed like he, he was um, unkempt and just looked rough, tattoos. And, uh, but, and he, but he answered me, he's like, he seemed kind of surprised. He's like, well, I guess about as good as can be expected. And I paused and I said, you know, may God bless you. And then I kept moving. So in politeness, I said hello. In kindness, I offered God's blessing and fear and judgment, everything in my flesh said, danger, danger, keep going, I walked to my car. And as I'm walking, I just, his words were just echoing in my head. And I could just hear the pain and the just despair that he was mm. in. And I got in my car and I'm like, whether God said it or I realized it, I'm like, wow, you gave me this opportunity that I've been praying for and I missed it. And I felt really bad about it. And I started to drive and he hadn't disappeared into the building. He was standing um, on this, it's like a cement wall, um, part, partial retaining wall. So he was on the other side of it. And you know, I just, just had this 
strong sense that I needed to offer to pray for him. And so I rolled down my window and I asked him, I'm like, would you like me to pray for you or pray with you? I guess I don't remember exactly the way I said it, but it was like, not, hey, I need to do this or, you know, I know what you need kind of a thing. Like, would you like me to pray for you? And he nodded. And so I put my car in park along the curb and I walked up around the side of the wall and introduced myself. I'm like, Hi, and my name's Patty. Uh, what's yours? And he said, Will. And I'm like, Well, God, you are so gentle and sweet that he would he would have the name of my youngest son. son. So like it was just automatically that piece of okay. comfort. And um, and then I'm like, Is there anything that you'd like to share about what brought you here? God would know anyway. I like, didn't want him to feel like he had to share anything, but he shared um, that his um, his girlfriend was. Um, They've been together a long time. Uh, her kid, her um, liver was failing. Lots of uncertainty. They'd been there for a week, um, and so we prayed. He didn't share a whole lot, but share that, share that little bit. And then, uh, and I prayed. And just through that, you know, there were just God led me to pray for their provision and pray, pray for just some other things that I didn't necessarily think of coming in, but that just came out. And um, so, as I started the process of um, of praying, like I had my keys in my left hand, and he was here. And before I started to pray, though, he, um, when we decided we were ready to pray, he like looked at me, like took his hands, and he folded them like just really carefully, and set them up on the wall, uh, and then like looked at me like, "Is this right?" He didn't say yeah. that, but like it was like that look. It was just this really sweet, childlike, vulnerable moment, and um, you know, I just nodded, and then I went to put my hand on his shoulder, and I just felt like hands on his hand, or hand on his hand, and, and we prayed, it was really sweet, and I looked at my left hand, and I had my keys, which always have stuff hanging on them, and one of the things that was hanging on them was this little wooden cross from uh, from Easter service that our church gave out at Easter service, and it was, and so I looked at it, and I'm like, would you like this, mm. and, and he said yes, and so I pulled it off my keys, and I gave it to him, it's really, and then he shared a whole lot more, like, so he he rode in the ambulance with her, had no transformation back, transportation back home, transformation, transportation. Um, they were, they lived in a more rural area, didn't have a way to get back home, didn't have any money. He's like, they only feed the patients, not the people that are with them. So he hadn't, been, he'd been eating crackers, coffee, and water for seven days, Whoa. sleeping in the chair with her in the ICU. In the um, same clothes. In the same clothes. And every, so, again, what I saw as one thing was a completely different story that Jesus knew. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we finished, and I went back to my car, and I always carry snacks in my car, especially at this time our, our guys were younger. Um, but back and forth to the hospital, I guess I'd eaten them, so I didn't have any, anything left in my car. But I had a little bit of money, um, and I gathered it together, and I gave it to him. He's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And I'm like, I know. I said, but it's what I have, and God provides, and maybe you can get yourself something a little more substantive than crackers. Um, and so he graciously took it, and I left, and got in my car, and as I started to drive away, I kind of glanced back in the rearview mirror, and he had sat down on the curb next to the wall where we had prayed. And he was sitting, he had the, the cross. cross in his hand, and he was just turning it over his <laughs> fingers, just, but just like looking at it intently. And I'm like, wow, God, only you 
we only you. you do something like that. And so that was a moment that he offered. I didn't realize it at the time, but in preparing this message, I'm like, that was Jesus's hospitality, like receiving him. Because I will tell you, I am not, A, not programmed to pray for people in public. I never prayed out loud until I was probably 10 years ago, um, unless I was reading something. And I would never have stopped to talk to somebody that I didn't know, especially someone who I felt in my own fear and insecurity could, could be dangerous. Um, but only God would just move all of those things away so that what he needed for that person in that moment could come through me. So I'm grateful for that. You know, Jesus is the one who welcomes each of us with open arms. Right? He left his heavenly home, um, that he would come here and he would walk and he would teach us. He gives us his example. He's the model for a living life the way he intended it, his upside down kingdom. And then he would also take all of our sins on himself, everything we've ever done, um, every every bit of it, he took it on himself willingly. He didn't, it wasn't the nails that kept him on that cross, it was his deep love for us that kept him on the cross and he was crucified and he, but he overcame death. And then even after he rose, he still spent time with his disciples and he was still teaching to the very moment where God took him up into heaven. Just so, so we would know more and more how to live, wait for the Holy Spirit to come. He restored Peter to himself, Peter who denied him three times on the yeah. night he was taken away. Um, all of the disciples scattered, but he would restore them to him and charge them, commission them and us to be him to bring his love in this world. So, Holy Spirit, we ask, you know, what am I allowing to trans to form me? Are you allowing to form you? Are we really living free? Jesus, transform us through your spirit, our hearts, minds, thoughts, feelings, and responses. May we be your image bearers that bring your light and your love and your hope into this world. The world tells us to seize power and to find comfort and peace and hope in places that always leave us empty. Lord, help us to be genuine image-bearing humans, to be conformed to the pattern of Jesus, of you, to be genuine humans wherever you place us, wherever we are. So we pray, God, you are holy, you are mighty, you are powerful, you are good. Your holiness is beyond anything we can imagine, not this, you know, things that we might think are holy and untouchable, but despite the fact that you are transcendent and your holiness is something that we can never achieve on our own, you draw us near to you. You want to form us into your likeness so that we can bring your love and your light and your hope and your peace and your joy in the world around us. Lord, people are struggling every day. We're struggling in many ways, too. Lord, help us to trust you, that we would draw near to you, help you to form us, to transform us into your likeness, and help us to be love and light and show hospitality to everyone we meet. Lord, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the work that you are doing in each of our hearts. We thank you for the privilege of being yours, and we ask your blessing um, in every way.
praise you, we thank you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.